Welcome to Down There Aware. I'm Alex. And I'm Mary, Alex's mama. Each week we sit down to discuss various topics concerning gynecologic cancers and women's health care. In 2019, at the age of 32, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer and became painfully aware of just how unaware I was of everything down there. On this podcast, we interview experts, share personal stories, and explore new research. No subject is off limits, so we caution you to listen at your own discretion. Welcome back to another episode. We have a special guest here with us today. Miss Erin Era is um, a cancer survivor who has uh, joined us to share her story. She's been married for eight years. She's the mother of two children, Jack, who's eight, and Marianne, who's five. She's a dietitian that specializes in weight management. She enjoys group exercise classes, running, reading, and listening to podcasts. She is also a woman after my own heart because she is a fan of true crime, the Golden Girls, and Chick Flicks, <laughs> all things we love. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we thought we would kick it off with our um, first question is, what kind of cancer were you diagnosed with and how did you receive that diagnosis? So I was diagnosed with um, with cervical cancer um, stage one. At the time, I wasn't sure the stage, of course. Um, but I received the diagnosis when I was, um, well, I was at home mm -hmm. and I was sick in bed with COVID. So mm -hmm. I had found out I had COVID two days prior and I was, it was probably in the midst of it when I was really the sickest, because I remember it being around five o'clock at night and I was in bed while my husband and the kids were downstairs, um, you know, doing dinner or whatever. And I remember the doctor called and it wasn't, it wasn't out of the ordinary for her to call with results that were normal. She, she usually calls with my colposcopy mm -hmm. results, um, because I've had about four colposcopies wow. before. And so when I answered the phone, I didn't think anything of it. Um, I was a little concerned because I had the LEAP procedure um, the week before. And at the time, I would have did have COVID, but I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. So I had contacted them and let just let the the team know so that in case there by chance was any exposure. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe she was calling about that or something like that. I, did, I really didn't know. And she said, and I love my gynecologist. Like I'm one of those people that doesn't mind going to the gynecologist because <laughs> I like her so much. Um, so I'm very up to date with everything. So when she called me, she, um, she just said, Aaron, it's cancer. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what? I like, I didn't, didn't even register. And, um, and then she kind of explained, you know, she explained that now, um, an oncologist would take over. So that kind of, you know, freaked me out a little bit, but she didn't, she didn't really know the details, but all she knew is that they paged her and she said, you know, they, they were paging me about you and I knew that wasn't good. Mm. So, um, so then I let it process, for a few minutes before I went downstairs and told my husband or to actually I had my husband come up because I didn't want the kids to to you know hear hear us talk yeah. about it um and then I told 
and then I called my mom. Um, mm. So she's actually a cancer survivor. Wow. So I called her. Yeah. So that's kind of how I initially found out. But there, there was a lot kind of leading up to it. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you. You um, clearly have been on top of the GYN game and you've had several colposcopies, like you said. So um, you were staying up on your health and so was your gynecologist. And then, excuse me, you went on to a LEAP procedure. Um, so when you went through all of those tests, was cancer ever in your back of your mind or, or did your gynecologist discuss that at all? Or was it, we're just doing this checking to, you know, check these abnormal cells? Yeah. So I kind of thought of it as, um, the, the way she explained it was, um, well, I had had colposcopies for four years and every time they came back, they came back. Okay. So this time it was actually my pap that came back abnormal with sin, I think it's sin two, um, cells. So higher grade mm -hmm. cells. Mm -hmm. And she said how they used to do it. They would go straight to the leap, but now the process is get a colposcopy, then get a leap. So I got a colposcopy soon after. Um, so I really, I really didn't think much of it. She said, um, that if, you know, she knows, she actually said, I know you're someone that is on top of your gynecological care. She said, even if, um, someone wasn't this, you know, may turn to cancer down the road. So she kind of made it sound like it probably likely wasn't cancer. So I went into it thinking with the, I went into the leap thinking, oh, I'm getting these precancerous cells out. I'm getting this taken care of. Mm. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really on my radar at all. Yeah. And, and what age are you, if you don't mind my asking? Um, I was 33 at the time. I just turned 34 on Wednesday. Actually. Ah, and so do you, that's right where Alex is. And mm -hmm. um, did you, did you feel like your young age kind of was a protection that um, it maybe or probably wasn't cancer? Yeah, I did think that. And even when she called me to tell me it was, she even said, she's like, it's hard to tell, you know, some people get it younger like you and some people don't. It's hard to kind of predict mm -hmm. that. Hmm. Now, you mentioned that you received your diagnosis um, while you were recovering from COVID. So how did that complicate things? And how did that um, diagnosis of, you know, being down with COVID while you were receiving this, how did that all play together? So I'll kind of start from the beginning because um, initially we were actually quarantined. Um, so I was supposed to get my leap when we were quarantined because my daughter was exposed at the babysitter. Mm. Mm. So that was um, mid-October, that would have been. And then, uh, so the baby, so we couldn't send her back to the babysitter after that. And so then we sent her to my in-laws while they watched, you know, they watched her and then they actually ended up oh, getting, no. COVID, getting COVID. Mm. So then... Um, then I ended up quarantining with her again, just me, because she was the only one exposed. And that was when my leap was rescheduled. So at this point, I'm like, okay, I really want to make sure. And it wasn't even that. It was like a few weeks later. And I'm like, I really want to make sure I go to this leap. So I actually kept her at home. My husband stayed home because then my sister took me to the leap because someone needed to stay mm -hmm. home with her. So then I went to the leap. I remember um, 
earlier that week, I had to get COVID tested to go, you know, get the, have the LEAP procedure done. So I thought, you know, I was safe. And um, for work, since I work in healthcare, I had to get COVID tested that, that morning, actually, or around mm-hmm. that time. Um, so I went that morning just to get it out of the way, thinking like, there's no way I have COVID. I'll just get this out of the way, then I'll go get the LEAP procedure, and I'll um, then I can rest the rest of the weekend. So I went and did that, and then my sister picked me up. We went to um, the surgery center where um, I had the LEAP done. I remember distinctly having her put a mask on, and she was like, do I really need to wear a mask? And I'm like, yes, we're, we're both wearing masks. And um, just in case, you know, and then um, everything went fine. So I remember going home and but I think that was that was, you know, a big, you know, was COVID time. Just getting all this testing mm-hmm. done was um, was a bit different than usual. And then when I was um, it was Sunday. So this was three days later, three days after I had the leap, um, I. I ended up, my husband had cooked dinner and I hadn't been feeling well over the weekend, but I never had anesthesia before. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's anesthesia mm-hmm. related. Um, I've also had a lot of, had a lot of sinus infections this past year. So I'm like, maybe I'm getting a sinus infection. So then it was Sunday night. My husband was making um, like a garlic shrimp dish. And I remember looking over at him and saying, did you put garlic in this? Cause I don't taste oh, wow. it. Oh, and what's funny is he looked over and said, yeah, it doesn't taste right to me either. So I ended up going downstairs and I started sniffing candles like, you know, Bath Mm -hmm. and Body Works type candles. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can't smell these. And then I got the um, call right after that while I was sniffing candles from uh, my workplace telling me that I was COVID positive. Oh, wow. So that was yeah. So that was that was quite a quite a ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So upon your initial COVID diagnosis, um, what did they decide would be your treatment plan? I mean, was there any of the, um, the immunotherapy or anything like that? So no, it was just, just quarantine. So mm. no real treatment for COVID um, unless I, you know, unless it got severe, but it, it was, I would say it was probably a mild to moderate case. Um, it, I would say as an adult, it was the sickest I'd ever been. Mm. So, mm. um, well, yeah. and you know, I think with COVID there's so much that's unknown that, um, just the anxiety that comes along with it for an mm-hmm. adult is really horrific because you hear all the stories and you may even know people who are really struggling with it. And um, I think that really affects how it affects you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. So now you are sick with COVID, you've received a cancer diagnosis. What was the next step for you and your treatment plan and um, with your doctor at that point? Yeah, so they, um, they sent, she sent a consult oncology. So um, I was set up you know, I had the consult in and I, of course, started researching all the gynecology oncologists in the area. And I found, I, they were able to schedule me with one, but I really wanted another mm-hmm. one. Like I wanted a different oncologist because she was female and um, 
she she does her her practice is really close mm-hmm. to me too and luckily one of my friends was able to get me one of my friends mo- mothers was a nurse she actually retired right right when i was going through all this and she was able to get me in with that doctor but because i had covid they have a policy that i could not go to mm. um, a facility until 28 days past my covid test oh wow. wow so like a like a negative covid test at that point you had to wait a month after that no a month after my okay. positive tw- or so um but they do still test you prior to any okay. procedures mm-hmm. so they set me up with um a virtual appointment mm-hmm. so it was all done over the phone it was really quick but she scheduled my um cone um cold knife cone procedure Mm -hmm. and that was in december so it was it ended up it actually worked out to be exactly 28 days from my covid diagnosis Um, but what really got me nervous was they told me before the procedure i had to test negative and i've heard a lot of people that it takes them a while to test negative again Mm mm-hmm so I I did ask, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm doing all this planning. Will they cancel the the procedure? Luckily, I tested negative. That's mm. great. Prior to that procedure. So then, what were the wow. um, results of that cold knife cone? So l- luckily, that came in a, a few days later, and luckily they had um, negative margins. Okay. So they had gotten everything with that procedure. Um, so I was very, very relieved with that. And I really I really didn't expect it to have progressed because, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm very on top of my gynecological yeah. care. So I would have been really surprised if it had been, um, been um, much larger of a tumor. Mm. Well, and, and we found with Alex that once they operated, they, you know, we didn't figure it had spread because she's on top of everything. Um, but they even found cancer in a lymph node that mm-hmm. they took out. So, you know, it, it, we really work at trying to encourage people to be on top of their gynecologic care. And it's just sort of amazing that um, even if you are, you can have some really unexpected results. The good thing is you catch things early. Mm-hmm. And even if they're bad results, they're caught early because you are so on top of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very thankful for that. Yeah. And to go through COVID and to get a diagnosis, a cancer diagnosis at, during that time is just horrific. I mean, I can't even imagine emotionally and mentally how you dealt with that, Aaron. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. And, um, it made it, it was difficult. Um, partially it was difficult just being at home more often. Like I didn't have a regular routine at that time. We were quarantined so many times, um, not being able to see people. Um, it, and then, just, just a lot, lot at once. It was. Yeah. So where are you now? 
How are you feeling and um, what's the prospect for you? So I actually, I had um, a hysterectomy in January and um, that, you know, it went, it went pretty well um, because I was done having children. So I was, I was thankful that I have, you know, two healthy children. Um, But I did another thing that COVID kind of impacted was, um, was after surgery, I had a hard time controlling the pain. And Uh. because my husband couldn't come in the room with me, it was, it was, I had a hard time communicating, you know, it was right out of surgery and everything. So that was, um, that was the other big issue I felt like, you know, COVID impacted. Um, But other than that, I'm eight weeks out from surgery. Mm. I'm, you know, doing well. Um, I was excited to start exercising again. I'm back to work. So doing, doing well now and happy that the weather's getting better in here in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, oh, so as I was going to ask you where, what part of the country you're in. Yeah. You're in Cle- I have a great affection for Cleveland because I had open heart surgery at the Cleveland clinic a few years oh, wow. back. And, um, it was a, as good an experience as you can have <laughs> having open heart surgery. Great facility. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mine was through the Cleveland clinic as well. Different, oh. different hospital, but yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, can you think of, um, in talking with our, uh, listeners, anything that you may have done differently? Um, a lot was out of your control clearly. Uh, but anything in looking back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. that maybe you would do differently. It might help our listeners to hear about. Um, well, if I could go way back, I would have got the Gardasol shot, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, I would say the biggest thing, if you're going into any, you know, procedures, I think, um, if, if somehow you can even get your spouse or loved one on speakerphone or, mm. or something like that, because that's, that was the hardest part was I felt like I was alone. Mm. I didn't have anyone helping me while I was, especially in post-op, but, um, but that would be the biggest thing. And I mean, there's nothing I can really think of that I would do differently, but I would really encourage everyone to continue to stay up to date with their gynecological Mm -hmm. care. And um, because obviously even people that do stay up to date with it can can get cancer. And if you um, imagine the people that don't stay up to date with it, how how much it would progress if I didn't. So I think that was the biggest, um, the biggest thing I want people to, to remember. Yeah. Well, and and speaking of the Gardasil shot, we, um, did an episode a while back about HPV and the shot. And, um, yeah, I'm curious now, cause we talked with, uh, about Alex and her age and was it really readily, I know when I was a young teenager, it really wasn't a thing. Um, and I don't even know when Alex was a teenager, which would be when you were a teenager, if it was talked about as much as it is now. Um, what do you recall about that? I know they, I know there are commercials about it now, and there's really a lot of uh, research discussing how important it is, but I don't remember when Alex was a teenager that it really was a thing like it is now. So it didn't come out. I looked up this later because I remember um, it didn't come out. It wasn't FDA approved until 2007. Mm. Ah. 
So I was about 20. So I was in college. Hmm. I wasn't seeing a gynecologist yet. Um, So I, I really don't remember why I didn't end up. Yeah. I feel like at that point, it also was being heavily marketed to a very narrow age group. And so I feel like I remember when it came out thinking, oh, well, I'm not between 13 and 17 or whatever that, you know, kind of narrow age group was. And I think over time, they've kind of expanded it. And now they're even, um, you know, advertising for adults um, to to receive the vaccine. So, um, you know, if you can get it, we all say it's worth it. Go ahead, protect yourself. Um, you're not going to hurt yourself, certainly, by um, by getting the that vaccine. So, if you haven't already and you're uh, qualifying for it, go ahead and do it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and when we talked about HPV during that other episode, it, you know, this, the data was amazing. Um, how it, it uh, has spread and the, how the vaccine has really helped. And, um, you know, it's really conclusive that the vaccine is a positive thing to do. So, that's in, that's important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about, um, you know, we were we both have been on top of our gynecologic health and and seeing our doctors, and you know, we are of course on the podcast are trying to kind of break down those barriers of talking about things that have been considered taboo, um, you know, in one regard or another. What um, can you, what advice can you give to our listeners um, to help them have those conversations with their, um, you know, female friends or their sisters or mothers about being more aware of um, everything down there and um, to encourage people we know maybe aren't taking quite as care, uh, good care of themselves as they could be? Yeah, I think the biggest um the biggest way to improve that is just normalizing it, you know, not trying to make it an uncomfortable, um, you know, uncomfortable conversation, just trying to um, check and checking in with your family and friends. You know, a lot of people, I had so many friends that had paps that were, um, that were late that they ended up having scheduled after I got these results. So I think, I think that's helped just talking about it more with my family and friends and just, you know, telling them, even if you're up, you know, if you're, um, you know, you don't have any symptoms because I didn't have any symptoms at all that you should still stay up to date with everything. And, and a big thing was during the pandemic, people were kind of waiting and are waiting for different appointments, not necessarily because they couldn't get into the appointment, but because they were kind of putting them off. And mm-hmm. so I think that I think just normalizing it and making sure everyone is more down there aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what a story you have to tell, Aaron. I mean, wow. it's I can't, you know, I have gotten a similar diagnosis, right? So I know how that feels, but I cannot be imagined being laid up in bed with a disease that nobody knows anything about, right? That's in this middle of a global pandemic. Um and then receiving that diagnosis. So um, I just commend you for your strength and how positive you seem to have been through this whole ordeal, you know, from your diagnosis um, in the fall through your hysterectomy in January. So um, we wish you well. 
Yeah, and your willingness to share your story, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that's so important. I think when people are able to hear specifics of someone's story and relate to them, it helps kind of put in that long-term memory. I need to be on top of things. I need to remember this. Um, so we really appreciate your willingness to share your story. It's a private thing and you don't have to do that. So thank you. Thank you. And well, and your podcast helped me so much. I, right when I was diagnosed, I started looking for any type podcast that would relate to this. And oh, wow. I've really enjoyed listening to you. Guys. Awesome. Great. So, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. We appreciate all of our listeners. You can find more information about topics related to this episode and other episodes of the podcast on our website, www.downthereaware.com. And you can follow us on social media. All of our channels are Down There Aware. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and now TikTok. Also on our website, you can find awesome Down There Aware merch. We are currently selling stickers and magnets. So help spread the word to your neighbors and friends to help them be Down There Aware. Thanks for listening.